Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth, and welcome again to Simple Secrets of the, of the Kingdom. Thank you for joining us today. And today is kind of like a continuation of last time's study, but if you, if you just tuned in today for the first time, uh, don't worry. Uh, each study pretty much stands on its own, but we're talking about the issue of judgment. What happens on the day of judgment for believers and for unbelievers? And uh, we're going to try and cut through all of the, the myths and the untruths that are out there about judgment and just look at what the Scripture says very simply and let the Word of God speak for itself. And uh, as always, before we get into the Word, uh, let's go to the Lord and ask His blessing over what we're doing today. Father God, we thank You for this day. Thank You for the way You love us. Thank You for the way You forgive us. And thank You that we don't have to live in this life afraid of what's coming in the next life because of what we know is given to us through faith in Jesus. Uh, bless us today as we study. Help us to find confidence not only in your word, but find confidence in our relationship with Jesus today. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, I have a, before we get into about uh, the judgment of works, which is kind of what the, the talk is today, I kind of had a little bit of unfinished business from last week's study that I want to wrap up, and, and it's in Romans chapter 8, and again, this is talking about the final judgment. So Romans 8, first of all, I want to read verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you listen to that, again, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That says that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then today, right now, uh, there, you are not under condemnation uh, from God for your sin. Uh, God doesn't condemn you. And so if you're condemning yourself or if someone else is condemning you over something that you've already prayed and asked God for His forgiveness for, then... Uh, then let go of that. Because if God's not condemning you, then neither should anyone else, including yourself. So if you continue to condemn yourself, then that says you're holding yourself to a higher standard than even God does. So offer yourself the same forgiveness that God so freely gives you. Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then let's get a little bit more and go to uh, verse 31, and we'll see what this has to say about judgment. What then shall we say to this? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Is it Christ Jesus who died? Yes, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed, indeed intercedes for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure 
that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is the good news about judgment from, for all who believe. Nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God. And so I want you to think about, about judgment day Maybe uh, this as an illustration to you of what it will be like uh, as a courtroom. And in the courtroom, you have God the Father who is on the bench. And then Jesus is your defense attorney. And, uh, and God the Father who is on the bench here in Romans, it says that he is for us. He did not spare his own son. He gave him up for us all. Will he not also give us all things with him? And so in this courtroom of the final judgment, uh, the judge is on your side. He's already proven that, hasn't he? Uh, he's done all of these things for you through giving Jesus to you. So you have a friendly judge as you stand before God on Judgment Day. And then Jesus, think of him as your defense attorney. Jesus is your attorney. Uh, he died for you. He was raised from the dead for you. He intercedes for you at the right hand of God the Father. So... Your, your defense attorney is the son of God. It's the judge's son. So the deck is stacked in your favor. That's why he says, if God is for us, who could be against us if God is for you? Uh, it makes sense. The answer to that, well, nobody. If God's for me, then on judgment day, what difference does it make if anyone accuses me? Think of the devil as the, as the prosecuting attorney. Uh, and he would stand before the bench with a list of your sins. And, and as he read off the sins, then your defense attorney would stand up and say, I'll pay the debt for that sin. I'll pay the debt for that sin. I take that sin on my account. Because that's what Jesus did for you on the cross. He paid your debt, the debt for your sin, to the Father. And when the Father hears that, and he sees the son pleading uh, your case based on his own blood which was shed, then what the father will say is not guilty. Not guilty. So on judgment day, if God is for you, who can be against you? Uh, that is an amazing promise to me from the word of God. And I hope that you too have that, that blessed assurance that comes through that. Uh, and if you're condemning yourself over past sins that you've already been forgiven for, again, I say to you, uh, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Don't hold yourself to a higher standard than even God does. Instead, ask God for the grace. This may help you. Ask God for the grace to offer yourself the same forgiveness and to receive the same forgiveness from yourself that He's so freely given you. So now, we're going to take another look at what happens on Judgment Day. And you need to know that on Judgment Day, believers will not be held responsible for their sin, but believers are going to be held responsible for what we do with the gifts that God has given us in this life. And we're going to look at this and see what Jesus says about it in Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 30. Matthew 25... 14 through 30. For it will be as when a man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, 
to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But when he who had received the one talent went and dug, dug in the... I'm sorry, I'll read that again. But he who had received the one talent went and dug into the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed, and gather where I have not winnowed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will, be, will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, where there will be where their men will weep and gnash their teeth. So here's the parable of the talents. And uh, this is a story about the judgment of works. And this is a story about what happens to believers on judgment day. We already have, have made the case, hopefully convincingly to you, that believers will not be held accountable for their sins on judgment day. And so you don't have to worry about being judged for your sin at all. But... What we will be judged for is what we've done with the gifts that God has given to us in this life. And this is not a, a judgment of punishment. Rather, it is a judgment of rewards for eternity. And so, in the story, the master goes out on a journey. And in the journey, uh, he gives some of his servants some of his, of his property, some of his money to watch over while he's gone. And here they're calling the money talents, which is just a form of money back in those days, probably like a dollar is for us today. And so we're going to call, uh, we're going to talk about this in terms of dollars. And so the master gives the servants money. To the first one, let's say he gave them $50,000 to watch over. To the second one, he gave them $20,000. And then the last one, he gave them $10,000. And so each servant took the money to watch over and, uh, while the master was gone. And then when the master returns, he calls the servants back in uh, like you would do if you 
I'm sure you would do the same thing if you gave somebody your money to watch over while you were out of town. First thing you do when you get back in town is to look and, and ask them to, to bring your money to you. And that's what the, sir, the master did, rather. And uh, the first one came in, and he had the $50,000, and he had invested the money. And, and it doesn't say what he invested it in, but regardless of that, he had doubled the money. He turned 50000 into 100000 He had gained another 50000 And the master then says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And so uh, here the servant took a risk with the money. He took a risk and stepped out in faith and invested the money for the master. And when I say risk, that risk is a, just another word, of, another word for faith. For you in this life. God has blessed you, if you're a believer, God has blessed you with gifts, with talents. We'll use the word from the passage. God has given you talents in this life. Now, there's no such thing as an untalented Christian. If you're a believer, God has given you talents. And it's not just so that you can sit around being a talented person. God has blessed you with talents so that you can use those talents to be a blessing to God's people. So if you look at it, whatever gift God has given you, that's God's property that he's, he has given you a responsibility over in this life to use for God's benefit. Um, and God holds us responsible for investing and using that talent in his kingdom. Uh, so the first one took his, uh, took his uh, master's property and invested it and doubled it, and then uh, he reaped the reward, and the master says, well done, and he welcomed him into part of the kingdom. He said, come in to the joy of your master. Uh, and, and so there was a reward for him. Just as there will be reward for you, if you are investing your talents back in the kingdom. And we'll get a little bit more about that later, but let's look at the second man. The second one had been given 20,000. We use 20,000 there as the example. And he invested it and gained 20 more. So he had uh, again doubled what the master had given him. He invested it and took a risk. And uh, even though he doesn't bring back the 50,000, uh, like the first one did, he brings back 20000 which is a double on the property, and, and the master again says, well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And so you see the second person was given not as much of a gift as the first one was, but he was only held accountable by the master to what the master had given to him. He wasn't held accountable at the same level as the one who had received 50000 was, he was only held accountable to the level of, what, of the gift that he had been given. And this is really important to you today because uh, you may think, well, you know, my gifts are just not as great as some people. My gifts are really kind of small gifts. And, uh, and so I just feel kind of bad about using those because they're not like Billy Graham who can preach to millions of people and bring them into a relationship with Jesus. You know, my gift is more like uh, uh, administrative things. 
Well, if that's the gift that God has given you, then take that gift and put it to work in the kingdom somehow. If you don't know how to use your gift, whether it's administrating or caring for sick people or loving people or welcoming people, any of those things, uh, not all people are called to be teachers and preachers and evangelists, but everyone is given a gift. Uh, and I can't list uh, all of the gifts because there are too many to list. And, and I would just say, you know what your gifts are. They're the things that you're good at. And so whatever it is that you're good at, that God has blessed you with, take that gift and put it to work in the kingdom. And when you do, then you will reap a reward, not only in this life, but in the next. So let's look at the next one. The third, the third servant was given $10,000. So he's given the smallest of the three in amounts. And, and he knew the master, and he knew that the master had high standards and would hold him accountable, so he got afraid. Instead of taking the risk, instead of stepping out in faith, what he did was he took the money and he went and buried it out in the backyard where it did really no good for anybody. And when, uh, when the master came back and saw that, that this uh, servant had not done anything, had not taken any risk, had not stepped out in faith at all with the gift that he had been given, he, he lays, it, lays it on him pretty heavy. He says, you wicked, slothful servant. Uh, and you, you ought to have at least invested it in a bank, at least put it in a bank and let me earn a little bit of the interest. But instead he didn't, and he was cast into uh, that. He cast out the worthless servant into the outer darkness, the scripture says. And so even what he had was taken away. What God wants for us to do is uh, everyone who has been given a talent by the Lord, and that's everyone who believes in Jesus, then... Uh, if you use that talent, more will be given to you. And you, as you give away your gift, you receive more from the Lord. You can't outgive the Lord. If your gift is in making money and then you give money away, then what the Lord will do will bless you with more money so that you can give more money away. As long as you're using whatever your gift is for the benefit of the kingdom of God, then you'll receive more and more people will be blessed. But if you don't use your gift in service of the Lord, what the parable shows us is that even what you have will be taken away. Uh, it's your, the gifts that God has blessed you with are in kind of a use it or lose it scenario. Unless you use your gifts in service of the Lord, then your gifts will, will they will like atrophy. They will, they will go away. And uh, I've experienced this in my life in the sense that uh, I was given the gift of, of music and I play the guitar. And for the longest time, uh, I, I, did, I played the guitar, but I didn't play my guitar really ever in service of the Lord. And, and I started losing interest in it. And I set my, put my guitars up and I didn't play them for a long time. But uh, one day, for whatever reason, I got it out and started using my guitar in church and in other settings. And then all of a sudden, it opened up this big floodgate of possibility of serving the Lord through music for me. And so anything that you use, any gift you use in service of the Lord will come back to you uh, in multiple ways. And so and when you invest your talent, it's the way you use whatever gift God has given you, even your life, in service to Him. And, and faith 
is always about taking risk in service to the Lord, taking risk to use your gift to serve God's people. Um, God doesn't hold us accountable or responsible for our sin when we're a believer in Jesus, but he does hold us responsible for what we do with the gifts he's given us in this life. And rewards in heaven will be, will be dealt out by God according to how we use those gifts. And so we're held responsible for our gifts. The good news for you, though, is that God, uh, when responsibility just means the ability to respond, God gives us the ability to respond to use our gifts. So if you're afraid today about where to use your gift or how to use your gifts in service to the Lord, and this teaching about the judgment of works is, is concerning you, then the place to start is not by running out there and trying to serve in your own power. Instead, it's you start by going to the Lord and say, Lord, show me what my gifts are and show me how and where to use them and give me the ability to respond to your call to service. And when you do it that way, the Lord will show you what to do. So if you're concerned today, that's good. But don't just be concerned. Go to the Lord with your concern and say, Lord, teach me, show me how to use my gift. And the Lord will show you and, and lead you into the place where you can serve him most effectively. Okay, now let's go to Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to look at one more aspect about judgment. This is the last part of judgment that we're going to look at. And we're going to read Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, another long passage. Follow along in your Bibles at home, Matthew 20, 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he, set, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you go, into the, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the seventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but, when, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the householder, saying, These last worked only an hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge me my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Now, let's look at this and see what, what he says here. This is a parable of the labor, laborers in the, in the vineyard, and there was a, an employer that needed workers. And he found and he hired workers, and he started out in the morning, and he hired them early in the morning. So at 6 a.m., he hired them, 
and he agreed to pay them a denarius, a day's wages. So let's say that $100 is what a going day's wage is. And uh, so he agreed with the 6 a.m. workers, uh, work for me all day till 6 p.m., and I'll give you $100. So they agreed. Then at 9 a.m., he hired some more, uh, and the workday ended at 6 p.m. And then at noon, he hired some more at 3 p.m., and at 5 p.m., he hired some more. And at 6 p.m., it's payday. And he calls them to come and to, to line up to receive their wages. And, um, and the ones that he hired, uh, he started actually with the ones who came in last. He started with them first. And they all lined up. And the ones that came in at, at 6 p.m., he gave them $100. The ones that came, or at 5 p.m., the ones that came in at 3, he gave $100. The one he ca that came in at noon, he gave $100. And on, up until the ones who came at 6 a.m., they all got the same wage, even though they had not worked the same amount of work. And the employer said, well, the, the employees, first of all, complained about this, uh, especially the ones that came at 6 a.m. And they said, wait a minute, this isn't right. We've been out here all day. We, we bore the heat of the day in our work. And we're only going to get what these guys got who came in and only worked an hour. And the boss then says, you know, it's my money. And if I want to be generous, that's my business. And the point in this is that God gives all of his workers eternal life. All of, his, all of the people who believe in Jesus receive eternal life. It doesn't matter what time of their lives they come into a relationship with him, they all receive the same reward, and that reward is the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus. Uh, no matter when they hear their call to be a believer, no matter at what time they go to work in the kingdom, those who believe are going to receive eternal life. Now, some people really have a problem with this. They, uh, and you know, they hear the story of the thief on the cross. And do you remember that story? Uh, uh, there were two thieves that were both uh, hung on the cross the same day that Jesus died. And one of them turns to the Lord and says, Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. Now, this one who died on the cross, uh, he had done nothing had he? He had no opportunity to work. Right at the moment before his death, he comes in uh, into the kingdom of heaven and receives eternal life because he believed in Jesus. Uh, he received the same eternal life as did the apostle Paul, who believed in Jesus and worked and toiled and and um, and shared the gospel all over the the world for a number of years and. Paul, when he died, he entered into the same kingdom of heaven as the one who believed at the last minute. And now some people believe that that's not fair. Why would you receive the same reward? Well, it's the Father's kingdom, and he can give it to, to whoever he wants. Uh, I heard this story about, about a, a, a man by the name of Jeffrey Dahmer, and you all may have heard that story about Jeffrey Dahmer. He was a horrible horrible mass murderer, serial killer who, who killed his victims and, did, did, and then did horrible things with their bodies. And I don't have to go into the details because I know most of you have heard about Jeffrey Dahmer. But he was a bad man. And uh, when he was convicted for these crimes, he went into prison. And uh, 
during his time in prison, the story is from the chaplain at the prison was that the chaplain in prison led Jeffrey Dahmer into a relationship with Jesus where he received Jesus through faith, he received the forgiveness of his sins, and he was baptized and became a follower of Jesus and read the scripture faithfully there. You know, some people would say, well, that's not fair that he should be in, king, in the kingdom of heaven, like others who have worked for the Lord all their lives. And, and the point is, uh, the gift of God is the same for all who believe. When you believe and receive Jesus, your sins are forgiven, and you receive eternal life. And it doesn't matter if you do it at the moment of your, of your death or if you receive Jesus early